This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And in the same studio, in fact, right across the desk from Charlie, yours truly, Frank Proctor, the, the sous chef, chef of, of the, the garden, garden show. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> here we are. Now, Charlie, here we are in the long holiday weekend, Thanksgiving mm. weekend, so I hope it's going to be a good one for you and oh. yours. Yeah. Just got turkeys to roast and pies to bake, and then it's going to be great. Well, bless Shirley's heart. Uh, she knew that, of course, uh, Kelly, who is uh, with the, the police force and all sorts of weird shifts, we arranged to have uh, Thanksgiving for uh, mm-hmm. my two boys and, and the families uh, last Tuesday. Mm-hmm. turned out to be a gorgeous day, too. Beautiful, sunny, warm day. And so that was nice. But now i got another one to go to today with Shirley's uh, daughter and son-in-law come up uh, Andrea and Martin, and, and we'll have another turkey. Uh, so I, I'm I'm getting the, turkeyed out. Tur- really? Oh well, not really. I, I love, love I love the, the leftovers. Yeah, we, I was going to say we've had turkey every day. And now a, yeah, you're heading into another week exactly. of turkey. Exactly. But mm. oh, nothing beats a turkey Gravy sandwich and cranberries. Oh boy. But I love mm. I love a turkey sandwich. You know, I'm coming down the 404 yes. today, and and I'm the, it's Saturday morning, coming down the mm. Don Valley Parkway, and uh, I'm thinking. Where the hell are all these people going? I mean, mm-hmm. I know I'm going to work. Yeah, yeah. But what do you guys happens do? to me it's all Saturday. the time. Yeah, you think it. Where are they going? Where are they going? <laughs> At eight o'clock on a Saturday morning. Exactly. Like they can't be so, going shopping. Why, Nothing's open why yet. Why Maybe they're going home. to work. Well, yeah. tell me when it's a snowstorm. I get so angry. It's like, people, stay home. I need to be on the road. You don't. Do you know what I better do? I better give the phone number Good idea. for your show, which yeah. is The Garden Show. Here you go. Yeah. Want to reach Charlie and ask a question or offer up something else? That's okay. Um, in Toronto, 416-360-0740. And anywhere in the province, toll free, 1-866-744-740. Our little mantra goes this way. Call early, call often, one question per call. And if you happen to be a first-time caller, please let Sebastian know. And when you come to the air, just before you get to the air, you're going to hear that. Nice. Get your garden wings. Okay. Everybody needs those. Indeed. And gardening continues. It's certainly oh. not anything looking like winter's coming. Well, now apparently it's, it's going to be warm. really, really warm today. Like humid. feel like 30? I know. It's Unbelievable. It was humid this morning. It's yeah. amazing. Absolutely amazing weather. But it's the summer we didn't get. Yep. I guess. I guess it's just... It's all that confused. Not complaining. But I'm feeling a little sorry for the uh, birds and the bees and the they're plants. They're getting confused. Exactly. Massive yeah. confusion. They're, they're thinking winter's coming, but it continues to be warm. A couple of quick announcements. Sure. Uh, Riverdale Hort Society meeting this October the 11th at the Frankland Community Center, 816 Logan Avenue, just south of the Danforth, 7 p.m. There's a flower show and Jason Ramsey Brown, author of Toronto's Ravines and Urban Forests. Uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting evening, so get to that if you can. Also, same day, out in Scarborough, the Scarborough Garden and Hort Society general meeting and free presentation by Paul Laporte. His topic, Native, Naturalized, and Invasive Plants in Ontario. 
Refreshments, of course, are included. Guests are always welcome. Doors open at 7 p.m. at the Scarborough Village Community Center, 3600 Kingston Road and Markham Road. And then uh, one more, Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society meeting and members plant sale featuring Paul's Amit of the Toronto Botanical Gardens, October 15th, 12.30 p.m. till 4 p.m. at the Toronto Botanical Garden, Leslie at Lawrence Avenue. The plant sale begins at 12.30, speaker begins at 1.30, and honestly, these people are, they have some amazing plants. So if you're looking for something unusual, so we're talking for rock gardens, hardy plants, um, typically low-growing, you know, all kinds of really odd and interesting plants you just can't buy at a regular store. It is certainly worth attending this um, sale at mm-hmm. least, which begins at 1230, and I guess that would be next Sunday. Alrighty, my friend. Uh, gee, we've got callers lined up already. Sebastian's been busy in the control room there, including a call from Ottawa, for gosh sakes. Nice. That's coming up a little bit later on. Meantime, we're uh, waiting to have a little chat with Sharon and West Lauren. We'll be back to do that in moments here on The Garden Show from Zuma Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, my darling, let's head out to West Lorne and see what's going on there. There's Sharon. Good morning, Sharon. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Happy Thanksgiving to you both. Thank you you very much. What's going on? Hello, Sharon. Hello. Hi. Yeah, go ahead, dear. Yeah, um, I'm calling about a Christmas cactus. Um, last, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, um, uh, a man called in about mm. the Christmas cactus, and you said to leave it out as long before, you know, it, fro- it got frost yeah. and that, too, that to um, um, dissipate the buds. Mm. Um, and I usually bring mine in. I would keep checking it in, in September, mid-September. Mm. I usually bring it in about the end of September, so I brought it in about a week and a half ago. Um, I put it in a, a garbage bag. I spray it, um, the garbage bag, with uh, Raid, do, up a t- do it up tight, leave it for a couple of days, and then open it up, do it again, and leave it for another couple of days. <laughs> now, it's got buds on it about, oh, maybe a quarter of an inch, yeah. maybe a little, a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard you tell him that to leave it... You know, you could leave it out in that too till till frost. Well, well just to, to to prolong, like to prolong the buds. Yeah, put off yes. the flowering yeah. stage because once okay. the buds are so, there, they're there. So I brought I brought it in. Is mm. it okay if I just leave it in the garage? Oh, uh, it's cool. It's cool in the garage. I mean, it's not the garage isn't heated. Now. Right. They don't seem to be growing anymore since mm. I brought it in. Well, they're going to respond to temperature. So you're right. If the garage is cooler than your home, yes. that will certainly slow down the emergence of those flowers. Yes. But is it really dark in your garage too? Uh, not really. No. Oh, okay. No. Got some windows or something? Oh, yes. There's 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 windows and whatever. I mean, okay. it's got it's got light and yeah. and that. That's um, fine. You could it was in the black bag for yeah garbage bag. Poor and thing. Great, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's uh, it'll be fine in the garage yes. uh, do check it on occasion you will have to water you know every couple of weeks oh, or whatever yes. um, and then what you know remember when you do bring it in then it should all start to grow quite quite quickly at that point so it just okay. depends when you want to see those flowers yes yes okay all right thank you very much and both of you have a, a wonderful weekend thank, well, thank you. you very much and Sharon. happy thanksgiving oh, thank you bye-bye 
Bye. Absolutely Bye. great. What a nice way to start the program. Yeah. Huh? You betcha. Sharon's an old friend. Well, now, wait a minute. My bell-ringing arm oh, needs to a little exercise here. Mm-hmm. Hey, first-time caller Anne in Dundas. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Good morning to you both. Good morning, Anne. Hi. Hi. Uh, I have... Um, a problem with morning glories. I, I've never, I've grown them for years. My dad grew them when we were kids, uh-huh. and I love them. And we moved into an old house, like from 1890, mm-hmm. and I thought it looked gorgeous on either side of the front door. Mm-hmm. So we put up these trellises, and I planted them. It, it grew like crazy, but not one flower, and I just don't understand why. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. No, that's fine. That's a good question, actually. So this is the first time you've planted them in this location? Yes, because we just lived here Ooh. about a year. Okay. So how much sun are they getting on a daily basis? How many hours? Well, I would say, like, first thing in the morning, they're not because it's southwest. Mm. Um, but all but afternoon. They, they get the afternoon sun, like right. the... Uh, like high noon, it's pretty hot in that okay. area in the Good. summer. Good, because that's one of the things they do need is a minimum of six hours of sun daily. And the okay. only other reason that traditionally morning glory does not bloom, assuming it's getting sufficient sunlight, would be because it's getting it's the soil is considered too rich. There's just too much nutrient in that soil, typically because of fertilizer that's being added to the soil. Oh, so, really? Who yeah, would have thought it? I know, it's <laughs> yeah. funny. I know, some plants, nasturtium is also famous for this. If if you care for it too well and give it water and fertilizer and all those things that we think it's going to want, you have a very green plant. But if it oh. suffers a little bit and it's in a hot sun and it, it's rarely watered and never fertilized, you'll have tons of flowers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so should I go out and buy sand? And <laughs> well, it depends what your soil is like. You probably have like a pretty reasonable soil that you're in. You know what? It's a really good soil because yeah. when we moved in, it, it was like I have a beautiful perennial garden. Oh, like nice. We were blessed to have it with the purchase of the house. Yeah, yeah. And we wanted to really keep good care of it, so we bought like yards of soil. Oh, excellent. Think, okay. Yeah, lots of it. And I think maybe that soil was too rich. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? It will slowly lose some of its nutritional value. The point is don't add fertilizer. You're killing things with <laughs> kindness is what you're doing. Oh, yeah. my God. I love it too much. <laughs> exactly. That happens. That definitely happens. So try again next year, but no additional fertilizer and obviously no manure or anything like that into that soil. But plant your seeds. It was seeds that you grew, I assume. Yeah, yeah, I bought them from like a really reputable place yeah, yeah. up no, here in this area under the good. beautiful big blue uh, morning glories. Eh? They're yeah. really gorgeous. Well, you if you've still got some seeds, hold on to them, plant them again next spring, but no fertilizer. Okay. And, and don't even water. Like once they've started to grow, just Leave, hold off yeah. on the water. I mean, obviously, oh, if it gets really dry, okay. you, you have to water. I probably watered it too much, too. Yeah, too much okay. love, no flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you well, so much, Anne. Now I just learned something new. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, thanks for a uh, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. And the same to you and yours there in Dundas. Thanks for calling. Well, let's take a little trip now to the nation's capital uh, in Ottawa. Christine, welcome to the show, Christine. Hi. Yeah. Hi, Charlie. Good morning. Ottawa. I followed you when I lived in Toronto. Oh, yeah. I love your program. Thank you. You and Frankie, he cracks me up. <laughs> me too, actually. <laughs> 
question is for you. Uh, I have a, two pots of geraniums mm -hmm. on a balcony mm -hmm. on the eighth floor, mm -hmm. and they used to flower. They're not flowering anymore. They were red. My question, Charlie, at what stage should I bring them into my living room, and will they ever flower again? <laughs> so did you just move to Ottawa this year, or have you been on I, this? I just moved. Oh, okay. So how? what direction does your eighth floor balcony face? God, I knew you'd ask me. <laughs> So Don't. geographically inept. That's Let me that. think. No, that's okay. Which side does the sun rise on? Like, does it, which windows uh, are set? God. Setting sun? East. Oh, okay. So you're probably, so you're facing the morning sun. Right, and then exactly. it, it sets behind yes. you, behind the building. That's it. Right. So the geraniums, of course, want lots and lots of sun, and an eastern location is not the sunniest. Oh, dear. So what I would do next year, I mean, for sure you're probably getting to the point where it is a good idea to bring them inside. Okay. Though, you know, today's probably pretty mild in Ottawa, just like it is in Toronto. But right. you, you, geraniums can tolerate down close to zero, but of course you don't want to go below zero with geraniums. Right. So as soon as you see anything, you know, three, four, five degrees Celsius right. overnight, get them inside, clean right. them up, get them in the brightest window you've got, the sunniest, okay. brightest, get them right in that window. So will it flower again, do you think? Yeah, of course, they will. If they can, if they can be given optimal conditions, they will flower. What about a grow light? A grow light would be probably a good idea inside. Oh. Um, but for now, I wouldn't rush into grow light. But after, <laughs> like, put it on your Christmas list. Ask somebody yes. to give you one for Christmas. Because after Christmas, as our natural days are getting longer, right. it would be nice if you could supplement that those nat the natural light with extra light. Exactly. And that I'm would be the time to do it. it. Fertilizing not until, again, after Christmas. February, March, you're going to try and do okay. maximum light. Fertilizing right. once a month. You'll probably even want to do a little cutting back at that point because you're going to find the plant's going to be a little on the stringy side, I think, after the winter. So you'll do a little uh, pruning back, uh, you know, around February. Right. Extra light, some fertilizer, water only, you know, as required, water thoroughly but rarely. And right. you, should, you should be able to get some uh, buds and blooms to pop out on that. Thank you. Okay. Charlie, I rave about you to everyone. <laughs> Thank you. I say everyone thought being Charlie or a man. I said, <laughs> no, she's a master gardener, and she's totally brilliant. Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> Thank you Thank so you much, Christine. Much. Happy Thanksgiving. All the very best to you in Ottawa. Nice to uh, hear from the nation's capital, where uh, it's pretty warm there sometimes, uh, created by hot winds. <laughs> oh, listen to you. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know it. Uh, Gee, this is unusual. I'm looking up at the board here at the monitor. We have uh, a call, a first-time caller I'm going to come introduce in just a couple of moments. But we have a couple of lines open mm. right now. So if you've uh, been dying to get through to Charlie to ask a question or make a comment, now would be an excellent time to give a call to, and in Toronto, it's 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, like Ottawa, Wherever else, yeah. 1 866 740 And uh, Charlie and I shall be here once again to man the calls. And, staff, we staff. And we staff. We I staff don't the man line. anything. <laughs> <laughs> she females things. Okay, good enough. Uh, I stand corrected. I sit corrected here, here on the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Oh, God. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, frogs, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. 
This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And as you know, we play some uh, wonderful music here on Zoomer Radio. And there's one song that I'm thinking of right now when I'm looking at the name of our next guest. Uh, Michael Terry uh, recorded a song called Rosalie, Rosalie. That's who I'm singing to, Rosalie in Hamilton. First time caller. Hello there, Rosalie. Good morning. How are you? Good. Excellent. Welcome. Good. Yeah, I have a question regarding garlic. We did harvest our garlic in the in the backyard, uh-huh. but in terms of planting in that same spot next year, are we restricted as to what can be planted there? Do we need to do anything to the soil nope. to help it? Uh, nope. You for can the next? just go right back in there with garlic. Oh, in the same area? Yeah, if you want to. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, you could do other things as well. Okay. But no, somebody. I'm trying to remember with the length of time. Someone I was speaking with in the last month, uh, some of the sort of more rural people that have bigger opportunities to really grow big gardens grow acreages of garlic because mm-hmm. garlic is a, a pretty – it's a fairly easy crop to grow. The maintenance is very low on it yes. other than the planting and harvesting. Mm-hmm. And somebody was – I think they were like into year 12 of planting garlic in the exact same place and they oh. were still getting phenomenal harvests. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Good. Yeah. So, the, only, the only problem we had this year was we were a little late and – in uh, harvesting them because of the weather. Mm-hmm. So they started to separate a bit, some mm-hmm. of them. But Yeah, which is a tiny, like a few days tiny. too yeah. late. I found my garlic was a bit small this year too. I felt that that was, it was a slow-growing yeah, spring because of the cold soil and, you know, wet, 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 weather, wet conditions. Yeah. But, um, but for sure, yeah, get the garlic back in before the snow flies. Yeah, I know last year when we planted it was cold. Mm-hmm. And... Then we got a warm spell. It started to grow. I know, I know. That happens. No, but uh, no, perfect. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day, both of you. Thank well, you. Well, thank you very you much too. and happy Thanksgiving. All the best from uh, the gang here. It's pretty neat, actually, when you plant a bulb, and mm-hmm. garlic is a good example of a bulb, into a warm fall soil. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the autumn when the soil yep. is just nice and toasty warm. It takes minutes, mere minutes, sometimes even seconds before the roots start to grow. No kidding, eh? Yep, because the, the bulb is ready to go, right? Yeah, the yeah. bulb is just, just full needs a little of encouragement. potential. You stick it Boom. down into that nice, warm, moist soil, and yeah, it yeah, starts yeah. to grow right away. Okay. Uh, hey, in Toronto, there's Lewis. Good morning, and welcome to the show. Good morning. Is that Lewis? Or Louis? Good morning. Yep, no. Oh, Louise. Lo- Lois. Oh, oh, Lois. Oh, right. <laughs> we'll figure okay. it out. <laughs> Very good, Lois. Hi. <laughs> Hi. I'm calling about my cedar hedge. Is it too late to have a cedar hedge trimmed? Yes. It is. I wouldn't trim it now. You know why? Because the, the temperatures are just too mild. And if you do some major trimming on a cedar hedge now, you will be encouraging new growth. And the last thing we want is new growth in October. It's one so, thing to prune out dead stuff. If you've got dead or diseased or any part of your garden looks like it needs that kind of pruning, you can do that now. But to do um, actual pruning for shape, uh, it, it I would not do until next spring or, in the case of cedars, late spring. Uh, the reason I had wondered about now was because I have a perennial bed in front of part of the cedar hedge, and mm-hmm. they couldn't get into it in the summer. Uh, but early spring would be better. Yeah. Yeah. All right, thank yeah. you very much. You're very and welcome. Happy Thanksgiving to thank you. Thank you, and Thanks, you too. Lois. And Lois, if it helps as well, you could. I understand sometimes it's hard to get out the hedges because mm-hmm. of gardens or, or buildings. Sometimes, like little greenhouses and stuff are in the way. Um, but, you know, laying down maybe some 
uh, two by fours for the pruning mm-hmm. staff, uh, some plywood, even newspapers, just so that they're not sinking into your moist spring soil and, uh, you know, try and spread the uh, weight over because the, the, we don't want to compact the soil at the base of the cedar or near the perennials. You've got it. Well, you see where I'm reaching. I do. I'm reaching toward little that bell here. Of That's, yours. Right. That's just... for Jennifer Oof. in Scarborough. Good morning, Jennifer. We're first time caller. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Jennifer. Oh, you sounds like you're driving. I am driving. Okay, no I worries. Will, it's okay. I'm hands free. Okay, okay, good. Um, thank you for the wings. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Enjoy you're welcome. them. <laughs> and you keep mentioning deadheading. Mm-hmm. What does that mean, and how do you do it? Good question. All right, when I say deadheading, another term for that would be removing the spent blooms. So what that. Oh. So when a flower is finished flowering and it's just a dried up little bunch of brown mass of, you know, uh, tissue that's kind of crispy, in many cases, if we remove that flower, whether it's a perennial plant, an annual plant, even a rose, when we remove the flowers that are finished or we deadhead them, we encourage more blooms or more flowers. So that's why we deadhead. And you don't have to wait, uh, Charlie, until it's all crispy, do you? And they, they, they're wilted. Uh, yeah, that... the, the petals drop off yeah. the roses. Mm-hmm. Now, honestly, it, interesting you would ask this question now, Jennifer, because now we really aren't doing any pruning or really, oh gosh, are we deadheading? Okay, so at this time of year, we're not really deadheading so much. We might be cleaning up the gardens uh, because winter's coming. And some plants... Like black-eyed Susans are a good example. They set seeds that scatter all over the yard. Before you know it, your whole garden has turned into black-eyed Susans because all the seeds grow next year. So sometimes we will deadhead those at this time of year. But otherwise, I don't do a lot of deadheading now. I just let things be, let the plants just hunker down for winter. Some blooms look great in the winter, like hydrangea blooms. They get all golden and crispy. They look beautiful. So I leave those alone for the winter. But deadheading during the growing season makes a huge difference on getting more more flowers. Thank okay. you very much. And okay. thanks for asking that question. Yeah, sometimes you. you... All right, I hope those wings are handy if you're in bad traffic. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. All righty. Jenny in Toronto, good morning and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Excellent. Um, uh, my question has to do with moisture lock soil mm-hmm. or um, the product, I guess, that's called... Um, Soil moist, where the granules that you actually add them to soil. Mm-hmm. Do you use these products? Are they are they worth the extra money? Um, okay, so uh, remind me what. Okay, there's a couple of different ways that potting soils or soilless mixes are are touted as being uh, something that holds the moisture longer than the average. So one way that soil can be called a soil, you know, holds the moisture is they have an addition of something called core. So C O I R. Okay. Is that one? Is that what this particular one is? I'd have to look it up. Well, the moisture lock um, mm-hmm. I have seen in uh, stores, and it's like twice the price of potting soil. Okay. The other one, what I'm looking at, it's called soil moist granules, and uh, it talks about um, stopping water, uh, potting. Sorry, storing water and for potting and repotting of house plants. Okay. Do you know this product? It's well. From, uh, if it's a little, is it something where you think they're actually, okay, here it is, moist. Is it a Scott's product? Blue no, Moisture Advantage? J, um, J.R.M. Um, from Cleveland, Ohio. 
Uh, and you add so much of this granule into the soil. Okay. All right. So that, if it's what I think it is, the granules, like you said, it's packaged separately. It looks like a little bag probably of like white sand almost. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. So that, I always, ref- that's been around for quite a long time. It's, um, it was invented actually in Israel. And it's you, it was because each of those little granules in, in the presence of water will absorb the water and turn into almost like a, a miniature, well, full, almost a full sized ice cube. But it's not hard like an ice cube, it's like jelly. So it's clear jelly and it's holding, it's a lot of H2O all held together in this little oh. jelly blob. Oh. And and it's quite amazing because, of course, the so- the soil gets moist, but these little granules blow up to these jelly blobs, and then the soil slowly but surely, you know, water evaporates out of it, but there's still water available in these little jelly blobs, so it takes longer for your soil to dry out. So oh. it's a, a very good product if you take holidays and you're gone for a couple of weeks yeah. or a week in the summer. And you have a very sunny location or hot, windy location. So it is a way to pro- prolong moisture levels in your pots, your, your container gardens. But it is never recommended to be used in gardens where we're growing edible foods. So um, that's a one disadvantage. Sometimes I'll just dump my container garden, my soilless mix out of my containers into my vegetable garden just to, add, you know, freshen up the pots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and use the soil in, in with the, the veggies. But it is uh, very poisonous. It's not something you would oh. ever want to ingest. Oh, wow. Not that oh. the actual item is poisonous. The problem is is that it absorbs water. And since we're 90% water, if, you, if some of those little granular things got into your system, your moisture, same thing, would become a bunch oh. of jelly blobs Yikes. inside you. So <laughs> if you read the fine oh, print, think... if you read the fine print on the bag, it should say not for use with, um, you know, uh, edible food, you know, edible garden products or whatever, but f- perfectly fine for ornamental. Yeah, and, and quite works well. I mean, sometimes the florists will use it too. The florists will use it in a, in a floral uh, bouquet, again, just as a way to maintain water. And it, 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 you can color it with dyes. It's, it's kind of cool. Wow. Okay. Wow, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> no. that, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, whoa, what a great mystery that would make. You want to bump somebody up, you dump somebody, you know, really, and all of a sudden they're full of jelly blobs. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Hey. Oh, Nobody so would know that full of jelly blobs. <laughs> so you know, remember Kurt Vonnegut Jr., there was a, a book, and there was this product called Ice Nine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's what I always refer to. It's Ice Nine. It's like this yeah, magical mystery, uh, you mm-hmm. know. Wow. does wild and wild. Thanks. Do some research on that. <laughs> hey, Jenny, thanks very much for calling. Thank you. Thank you yeah, good happy question. Thanksgiving to you. Wow, that yeah, that was that's kind of scary. That. All righty, uh, you know what? Um, uh, I let's know see, what? our yep. time here's not. Oh, we have to take another break. Me okay, too. but before the nine o'clock uh, point comes along, or at least the ten o'clock point comes along, we're going to deal with a couple of uh, emails that you've been sent. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, maybe we'll do that right after we come back, and then we'll talk to Peter in Southampton. Okay. Okay. You're listening to the Garden Show from Zuma Radio AM 740, 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto as we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin 
exclusively on Zoomer Radio. You know, a lot of times folks uh, like to send a question to you via your email, so let me just get that on the air. Uh, Charlie Dobbin's email goes this way, c.dobbin, that's D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. And the reason sometimes folks want to contact you, Charlie, is because they're maybe a little bit too shy to come on the air. <laughs> that's the case with this next uh, email you have. Well, no, there's a different one for that. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Uh, David McClellan. We'll get to him in a second. For now, let's talk about Judy Butler, who wrote in from Woodville, Ontario. Uh, She indicates that she listens as much as she can to the show, but hadn't heard of this problem yet. She has an orange substance on her lawn. Hmm. We did get actually one call about this, and I have seen this in the past, though not this year on my lawn. I'm not surprised. If you're wearing white shoes or white soles on your shoes or white whatever flip-flops, and you walk across your lawn, and then you realize that your white soles are bright orange. Rust. What is that? It is. It's rust. (coughs) It is a fungal disease on the lawn. Now, uh, Judy has recognized that that's what she's got. She did Google it. She figures she's got the rust fungus. She also has a large yard, about a half an acre, and she lives in the country. So she's wondering about the surrounding fields and it's spreading. Number one, don't worry about it spreading to surrounding fields. This is a very environmental um, problem. It's totally based on the conditions that we had this past summer mm-hmm. and you know summer Wetness and fall. And- high humidity. Lots of moisture, warm temperatures, fungal diseases have been very happy and thriving. So the rust you're seeing is uh, is is just basically because of the kind of season we've been having. What to do to try and lower the rust levels on your lawn and also, like you said, lower the number of spores that might spread around the neighborhood. Mow frequently. I know a half acre is a lot to mow frequently, but don't let it get long. Like Mow to the correct two and a half to three inches high, mm-hmm. but stay on top of that. Rake. Now, I know, again, big lawn like that, how hard it is to rake, but I'm not sure how you're set up, whether you've got a you know, driving mower and maybe you've got some kind of a dethatching rake. You can drive behind the mm-hmm. call behind the mower and that just to keep, keep comb the, through. Yeah, keep the yeah. dead stuff combed up, keep the, the life in the soil as alive as possible. So that's all the microorganisms, the worms, etc. The more alive they are, the more they'll chew up the dead grass, which is the thatch. They'll also utilize and be able to access moisture and fertilizer that you are going to add. Fall fertilize for sure. Uh, it's the most important for lawn fertilizer of the entire year is the fall fertilizer. So um, uh, in terms of your big you know, lawn, mm-hmm. I, again, I'm sure you've had this issue before, but make sure that the fall fertilizer goes on, and it could go on any time. Like today is optimal if you want to get out there with a fall, not a spring fertilizer. It'll stay right on it. Fall fertilizer on the bag. That's what you want. Okay. Right. Good stuff. All right. Let's let's uh, let's go have a word with Peter, who's calling mm-hmm. in from Southampton. Good morning, Peter. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, first of all, happy Thanksgiving to you both. Thank, Thank you. you. Now, all summer I've listened to uh, people call in about uh, their hostas being eaten and uh, whatnot, Mm -hmm. poor shape. Well, three years ago, I went to a hosta farm, Mm -hmm. and I asked the lady uh, how she kept her hostas in such good shape. Mm -hmm. And she had a formula that she sprayed every two or three weeks, Mm -hmm. and it was one part ammonia, and 10 parts water. Oh, yeah. And I have used that uh, quite regularly mm-hmm. on my hostas, and uh, 
that really works, and it keeps them healthy looking. And that's spraying on the leaves of the plants and the soil specifically? Like early in the spring, I've heard of people like spraying the soil uh, Uh, with something like that. uh, When they first start coming up, I spray the uh, stuff, the solution Mm -hmm. on the plants, Mm -hmm. on the ground. Yeah, is there a mark? And then after uh, two or three weeks, I uh, do the whole thing. Uh, foliage and uh, ground. Yeah, well, yeah, because yeah, the slugs and snails overwinter in the soil, typically right around the hostas. So those yes. little nests all hatch in the spring, and I know the ammonia can really slow them down. Well, yeah. good to know. Hey, nice, yeah. nice little tip there. We appreciate. Yeah. That. So even with all the rain, you were still only spraying every ten days or two weeks or so. Uh, yes. You didn't uh, increase your spraying. Sort no, of and post- I also use it on my other plants, mm-hmm. uh, like the colas and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it works well on that, too. Good stuff. I will love the tip. Thank you very much. Excellent, um, Peter. I have uh, some advice for Frank. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> at, the first, <clears throat> at the first of the show, you were talking about all your Thanksgiving Day dinners. Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, here is some, uh, some advice I have for you. Okay. Too much turkey, you can't soar with the eagles. <laughs> 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 Ain't it the truth? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. <laughs> and you know, Frank, he likes to soar with the eagles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wind up with the turkeys all the time, it seems. Oh, well. Uh, except for Charlie Dobbin, of course. Uh, you know, we're, uh, maybe we can squeeze one more uh, email in here just before we have to take a little bit of a break. Then we've got Sheila and uh, Catherine on the line. We'll get, get to those momentarily. All but, right. Your email uh, question? Uh, okay, so David McClelland writes that uh, they enjoy the program. They listen through the Internet in the north from Bruce Mines. Uh, they have a very moderate <clears throat> climate as they're on the water. The north channel of Lake Huron, beautiful honeysuckle vine growing on an arbor. The vine is in the sun about six hours and protected from any wind. However, this year it looks stunted. Many leaves are curling. Black soot and the flowers, which are fewer than ever, are not fully developed. Wondering, should I cut it back to about 18 inches this fall and hope for better next year? Um, and he was a little shy to call. So I uh, hope you're listening, David, on the Internet. Good for you. Thank you very much. We appreciate people call, listening from all over the world, you across bet. the universe. Um, you're exactly right. Your honeysuckle, what's going on is you had aphids on your honeysuckle. So you'd have to look at the growing tips. You won't probably see them now because it's cool and the aphids have hunkered down for winter, but back when this was really happening in in June, July, and August, you would have seen small insects on the growing tips of the honeysuckle, sucking the juices, that nice sweet honey that comes out of the honeysuckle, and and then pooping out all Mm. this sticky stuff. Now, the black that you saw, that black soot, was something called sooty mold that was growing on the sticky stuff that was coming out of the aphids. So, bottom line, if we can control the aphids, we'll end up controlling the sooty mold. Right, yeah. Now, how do you control the aphids? Well, as soon as you see that curling, stunted uh, tip growth, and you, prior to seeing the black sooty stuff, uh, you would be spraying with a soap and water solution, so a 40 to 1 And that coats their little water, bodies, right? And kills mm-hmm. them. Or you would just go to, if you have a, a place nearby, you could pick up uh, something like Bug Be Gone or Safer Soap, or you can mm-hmm. order it online, but follow the instructions in terms of spraying to kill the aphids. For this fall, you could, yeah, nothing wrong with cutting the, the, the pole plant down to about 18 inches, 
before winter. Next spring, take a look. You may even want to cut down a little lower in the spring just to encourage more bushiness from the from the honeysuckle plant. And um, yeah, good for you. I, I um, Stay on top of it, though. Keep looking. Watch next June and July for those little aphids to show up again because they do love honeysuckle. Okay. We're going to be back in just moments to say hi to Sheila in Toronto here on The Garden Show from Zuma Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, let's welcome Sheila from Toronto to the line. Good morning, Sheila. Good morning, Frank, and good morning, Charlie. Good morning. My question, I have a... Uh, creeping, whatever you call it, hydrangea. Yeah, climbing hydrangea, yeah. That's on the back of my garage mm-hmm. wall, mm-hmm. and it's, I think it gets western, west mm-hmm. exposure. Okay. I've had it for about 10 years. I had beautiful blooms the first couple of years. Not anymore. It's okay. going crazy, and the leaves are kind of crinkly. Mm. They don't look healthy at all. So what's my solution, please? Hmm. I wish I could come up with a real simple solution on that. Uh, okay, climbing hydrangea, was, when you said it wasn't blooming, I thought that's not that unusual because they do take a few years to start oh, no, blooming. Oh, the first couple but, of years. Yeah, it's been there 10 years and it's growing like mm-hmm. crazy. Do you fertilize it at all? Yeah, I, I, uh, I do fertilize it, but I'm fertilizing the rest of my garden. Right, so but just... I, I, in, I now I've started using those spikes. Oh uh, no! Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the spikes. Um, okay. <laughs> well, it's just because it's a lot of fertilizer in one spot, oh, and it's very easy to over fertilize, which might be why the leaves look a bit odd. So what I would do I, is I only did it once. Right. Absolutely. You definitely because it slowly uh, dissolves and percolates out uh-huh. all uh-huh. all season. So yes, you never use the spikes more than once. Okay. Um, I I agree. All garden plants should be fertilized in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, my I'm a really big fan of granular fertilizer where we kind of scatter like we're feeding the chickens scatter on the surface of the soil uh-huh. and that lasts for a good six seven eight weeks which yeah. is good enough for most of our plants obviously amending with compost making sure the soil is good quality uh, is important as well um, if you've still got leaves on the climbing hydrangea and you want moment, yes, I do. take a photograph and send that to me I'd be better able to maybe okay. try and diagnose okay. what's going on because they yeah they, the leaves should be fine the flowers should be there uh, it, you know western locations totally good 10 years in one location it definitely is mature enough to be to be oh, yeah, blooming it's, it's pretty mature and it, it, it's spread that you know yeah. i had to really cut it back because it covers the whole back of the well garage. there's that too you've got to be careful you're not uh, pruning at the wrong time and pruning where the flowers are trying to grow nah. so oh, send me God. a photo of some of the leaves and then we'll uh, we'll go from there okay thank you so much Thanks, thank you sheila, sheila. Okay. Golly, I'm looking at the clock. I'm woohoo! He's cranking down here. Let's let's quickly get Where's my uh, arm in action here. Hey, that's for Catherine, first time caller from Pickering. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning. The question I have is: Is it safe to prune a fully grown, fully mature maple tree at this time of year? Uh, it would be even safer if you waited a month or so. Okay. And the reason I say that is just because it's it's so warm. 
it, to prune a dormant maple tree, as in you know November, December, not a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, we avoid pruning maples in the spring because they lose, they drip sap all over the place. Right. So no question, pruning a maple late in the fall is is ideal. Optimally. But look, it's you know twenty five oh, degrees. Yeah. So I'm afraid that if you do a bunch of pruning now, you're going to force new growth, and that's exactly what you don't want to do. So you want it a little more dormant before you do any pruning. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Catherine, for uh, joining us here on a Saturday morning as we... uh, Don't be a stranger. Exactly. Yeah, coffee's always on, right? Just a little bit to the uh, west there and around London, Ontario, actually. (laughs) Well, not quite as far as London. Woodstock. There's Tom. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Hello. Hi there. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Frank. How you doing? What's going on? I have... I've been working on the grass and... um, Everything's been fine, but now I find I've got creeping Charlie coming in from seems different sizes places. Mm. Uh, it's in my front lawn, which it's oh. never been before. How's the best way to get rid of it? Oh, I wish there was an easy answer to that. Obviously, one way to get rid of it is is getting down on your hands and knees and, and pulling, pulling it. Yeah, which is it. obviously it yeah. travels too like crazy. I know, yeah. and once and the problem is once it flowers, which of course it probably is now if it didn't already. A lot of seeds get uh, dispersed, and then there's even more. So um, that one way, of course, would be with the with the pulling. But if you've got a big yard and a lot of this stuff coming in all over the place, it's a lot of work. Um, there are, you know, what's it called? Like, there's some herbicides out there that are supposed like designed to kill things like creeping Charlie. Mm-hmm. But you had you, you got to realize that the older, more mature, more more established the weed is, the harder it is to kill it. So right. Now probably wouldn't be the optimal time to try and do any spraying on the Creeping Charlie unless it's currently flowering, then it is worth trying to get rid of it. Spring is optimal because this, the plants are so young and they're so tender and so soft that it's, it's the time when a herbicide is more likely to work. So, it, you know, it's, there are – even Roundup, of course, is out there, but Roundup would kill your lawn as well. Yeah, I mean it works, but it will kill your yeah. lawn as well. Have the, you got a big lawn, uh, Tom? That we're talking about here? No, just a, a regular city yeah. lot. I was just wondering about the the ground, you know, plastic uh, to but kill. I know it kills kill everything, lawn, but it'll yeah. kill that stuff. And yeah, you just have to resod or or reseed. But if it's regular, I mean, you know, Thanksgiving is going to be a nice day tomorrow. If you've got family coming for dinner, I'd hand them all a, a <laughs> screwdriver and some newspaper to sit on and put them to work while you run back and forth and fill their wine glasses. That's, That's what I would do. Heck of a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> put them to work. <laughs> That's what I do. I used to do when my parents were a little young. Everybody yeah. as they got out of their cars, they'd hand them a rake at this time of year. <laughs> Hello, welcome to my house. Here's your rake. <laughs> you want a pair of gloves? I have gloves. <laughs> well, there you go, Tom. Get You've got work. your work cut out for your, for others in your family for this Thanksgiving weekend. I know. We've got to wrap things up here, we my gosh. We And i got to go home and bake some pies and uh, yeah, pick but up a turkey. Yeah, we're heading to High Park. Of course. Uh, yeah. Uh, Steak and And, and wouldn't you know, it's it's my turn to buy. Steak and, and eggs. Charlie didn't have breakfast this morning before she left. I slept in. So I know that I'm going to be handed a big bill. Double steak and yeah, eggs for me. Steak and eggs, huh? Mm, <laughs> Maybe okay. a martini on the side. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. There's no alcohol in, in High Park as per the, the deed when it was donated to the city. So thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Enjoy your 
extra long weekend day day off. And, of course, Frank, you'll be here yes, working. Yes, I will. Monday I'll be on the air from 1 through to 6. All right. Well, good luck with that. Thanks, Sebastian. Thanks to all the great callers. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.